Hey everyone, this is Mike Dunn, and you are listening to Rethinking EDU. We are in our second season here talking about the power of networks. I hope that you listened to our last couple episodes, one with Dr. Chris Unger from Northeastern University and one with teacher-powered schools own Dion Jackson. And tonight we are here with Bruce and Joy, who I will introduce in just a minute. But before I do that, I want to say what's up to my co-hosts. Um, there's only two of you. Julie is not with us right now. So Matt and Janine, how are you? Hi. Great. Good. <laughs> I have no complaints. I've got a roof over my head, plenty of food, and my kids are well entertained with playing Fortnite. <laughs> so it's all good. Awesome. Awesome. Matt, how are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm doing doing really well. Just excited to be here tonight and to talk about um, you know these these networks and uh, and be inspired. Yeah, I agree. Um, we've had a really you know interesting couple of guests in our last couple episodes, learning about some pretty innovative networks, uh, particularly with teacher powered schools, and then all that Dr. Unger brought to the table. If you haven't listened to the episode, he plugs all sorts of interesting places that are doing really great work in education. And as I mentioned before, we're here with uh, Joy and Bruce this evening. And uh, Joy, let's start with you. So you're the president of the Southeast region of PAMLE, right? Which is the Pennsylvania Association for yes. Middle Level Education. Um, I could go on and on about all the things that you've done. I'll let you talk about some of those. But one thing I wanna highlight is uh, you have a book out, Sharing Mindsets. I do, yes. Um, I, I recently published a book I co-authored with a local superintendent who was a childhood friend of mine. And um, it's the, the subtitle is well, Sharing Mindsets Where Classrooms and Businesses Meet. And it's a book of uh, wisdom and anecdotes for teachers, but it's also uh, crosses over with, um, with corporate world. So leaders in the corporate world or in organizations in the general Philadelphia region chimed in on the messages and then we blended those messages for the benefit of uh, teachers mainly but like I said also leaders or really and at any level in a company that has responsibilities you know for for other people and and trying to build relationships that's really cool I need to maybe buy a copy of your book actually sounds like it has a lot to do with what my um, dissertation topic is going to be on yeah, yeah. I'll let I'll let you know if I if I pick up a copy. Um, and our other guest tonight is Bruce. And Bruce, you uh, also are affiliated with PAMLE, and um, you were a school principal and a school teacher and uh, all of those things. Recently retired from all of those positions. And uh, what are you up to these days? Well, I'm also the director of Schools to Watch for Pennsylvania, and that has kept me really busy over the last couple of years. But with this, uh, pan yeah, okay. this pandemic, everything's been canceled. So I have a lot of free time right now. <laughs> uh, I've also done some consulting with some schools. We've been working with some schools out in the northwest of PA and in western Pennsylvania, but everything has, has died down. So right now I'm just doing a lot of work outside my yard. You know, I'm not uh, got a big yard and have a lot of work to do. So it's, it's, it's been keeping me busy. Sounds Awesome. <laughs> Get you out from behind the Zoom conferences and in, into some dirt, right? Um, well, so I want to start. Uh, I want to start with you, Joy, just for a, a quick minute, and then we'll get over to Bruce for some more introductions. So, Joy, tell us a little bit about how you became a member, and I guess now the president of the Southeast Region of PAMLE. Sure. Um, I think there's value in sharing that. Um, I, 25 years of teaching middle school, um, it goes in waves, so to speak, where some years you have amazing classes that you never want to leave and other years you have classes where you're wondering when June is coming. And that's just the nature of it. We all went through school. We could all say the same thing about classes that maybe we were in or the classes that graduated around us, that they all kind of took on personalities, so to speak. And the, the particular class I had about five years ago was really uh, a struggle every day. It was really challenging. And I tried to figure out, did I want to leave the profession? Did I want to elevate into an admin position? Or I just needed to do something else. And that something else is pretty much what led me into 
getting involved with Schools to Watch and PAMLE. So I decided to diversify myself so that when I got up every day, I didn't just solely think about going into the classroom. I had many other things to think about. And that was probably the best decision I ever made. I would probably say that it saved my teaching career. And as much as that sounds odd that I became busier and then loved my job more, um, that's actually what happened though. Um, but it was because I was focusing too much on, on doing the job and not really, really recognizing that it's your entire life that supports your job and vice versa. So um, through my principal um, suggesting that I go up for the schools to watch training uh, with Bruce and then through networking and meeting people there, I ended up getting on the local board for PAMLE in the Southeast region. And just the nature of movement of people, it, it wasn't too long that the president position opened up and it was partly because the, our president moved up to the state board. Um, I ended up taking over and my goal was to make it fun. I just wanted people to come. And I know Janine and, and Julie, they, they hate when they miss a meeting and uh, it's either the really good food at the restaurant or the conversation or both. Um, so that's, that's honestly how I got started professionally with, with PAMLE, um, was, you know, some encouragement on the behalf of the professionals I work with, but mostly that I just, there was a void I needed to fill. And again, wasn't that I wasn't busy enough, just not diversified enough. Sure, sure. And Bruce, can you chime in for a, a second here? How did you get involved in PAMLE? And also, can you just give us like the the five second version of what PAMLE actually is, so our listeners can better understand what a middle level education network is? The Pennsylvania Middle School Association, or Pennsylvania Association for Middle Level Education, is for middle schools, and it's strictly just middle schools, and it's it's a collection of of principals and teachers from across the state. Uh, we have probably a hundred and 30 institutional members, which equates to thousands of members, because once you're institutional, your whole building becomes a member of PAMLE. And it's an opportunity for, for people to network with one another. You know, we provide PAMLE, we provide staff development in each of our regions, as well as a state conference where people can come together, present their ideas, share their ideas, and, uh, and network. And that's how I got involved. I, just, I became a uh, principal. They sent me to a conference down in Nashville, Tennessee. And I met someone down there that was involved with the uh, the national organization, and I got involved. And that's how I got involved with uh, the Pennsylvania Association back in 1992-93. I've been with this organization for a long time. It's a, it, it, it's an organization which brings passionate middle-level people together, and that's the key. You know, when people, it, middle school is all about relationships. It's about making relationships with the teachers, making relationships with the kids. And when you're around passionate people that love what they're doing, it really it gets exciting. That's what PAMLE is all about. You know, sort of a five. That's a quick message in what it is, but it's about relationships, which are so important. Which is perfect because we're talking about you know connecting with people and being able to network. Um, so Bruce, I was I was wondering if you could also tell us a little bit about um, schools to watch and how that plays into PAMLE and like what's the connection there. Well, I've been involved with Schools to Watch since we started. I was with a group of four people that wrote an application for Schools to Watch back in 2005. Uh, because Schools to Watch is a program of the National Forum to Accelerate Middle Grades Reform. And Pennsylvania is one of 17 states that has an active Schools to Watch program. So it's based on four domains of academic excellence, social equity, development, responsiveness, and organizational structures, which brings it all together. And then 37 criteria, all based on best middle level practice. So, so that's that's how we got involved in this schools to watch, and it's a it's a great program in the sense of uh, recognizing all schools, and that's why we got involved. This isn't just for schools that have really great academic scores. This is a program that is for any school that is showing improvement. If they can show three years of growth, no matter where that growth is, they're eligible as a schools to watch school. And the other piece, which we truly like about that, is that it's a three-year designation because it's all about continuous improvement. It's continually getting better. Education has changed so much in even the last five years. And it's it's not like once you get this award, you're you're a school to watch forever. You're only schools watch for three years and you have to you have to reapply to be redesignated again. So, so that's what this is all about. And that's that's the important piece about schools to watch. And I, I would agree that I think that that 
key piece right there of being able to that it's just like a three-year designation and that it's you're constantly on this trajectory of growth um i know that when we were designated as a school to watch that being able to connect with all these other schools that were doing some really awesome things was amazing like to be able to go into those schools and see what the the teachers were doing and share best practices and connect with them um, has been a huge benefit not only for us as individual professionals, um, but for the whole school as an organization. It's been, it's been awesome. I would say that, that both you, you and uh, Julie and Joy have all been on site visits and you know, we can actually offer Act 48 credit to teachers for those site visits. But you know, I, I would steal stuff when I was still a principal and going to these schools, I would bring stuff back to my own building. Uh, and that's a great professional development opportunity for teachers that are on these site visits when they go into these different schools because they're all different. It's all based on the criteria. So, so you could have two schools to watch schools that might be very different because they address the criteria in a way which best suits their demographics within their building. So and that's that's the really important piece of that. And I encourage teachers to take pictures of bulletin boards and to talk to teachers. And, uh, you know, that's really critical. And that's that's one of the best things about this is uh, sharing best practices. And within the National Forum Network, there's over 650 schools to watch schools designated. And every one of them has a link on the National Forum website. And part of this is connecting schools with schools. So it's an opportunity for, you know, if, if you have something going on here in Pennsylvania and you see a school in California that's really cool, you, know, you can contact them. And part of this process is, you know, they're gonna call you back and they're gonna get back in touch with you. And they're, they're gonna share what they do. That's that's a real critical piece, and uh, that's important within this process. Let me just ask Julie a question, but before I do, Janine sort of gave a teaser um, earlier, and we didn't get the answer to it. She said uh, we should know who, who wrote the foreword of your book. Oh, <laughs> yes. You would like this, Matt. Yes. Uh, Ron Jaworski wrote the foreword. <laughs> you go. You got Jaws right in the foreword. Yes. <laughs> Shut up. That's awesome. <laughs> yes. Well, it sounds like if you have Jaws writing the forward, I can only imagine who's who's in the book. So yeah, check it out. Yes, right, right. <laughs> um, but but let me ask a question, uh, and we'll start with Joy, and then Bruce, if you want to chime in as well. But um, in what ways does P A M L E uh, go about supporting specific schools in the work that they're doing? I think, as Bruce had mentioned, you know, the the big piece is the availability of best practices being offered not even solely by PAMLE per se, meaning the board, but mostly by its members. So when we host regional and state conferences, along with different leadership institutes and a cat, like a summer academy that we do, just getting teachers out there teaching teachers, that's a, that's a huge piece of how we support specific schools um, all over Pennsylvania. And the conversations, I, I mean, I have to say the most valuable thing about it are the conversations that you have when you just go to any event, even if you're just, you know, getting getting lunch with someone or or relaxing before a session. Um, those are just invaluable pieces of information that we don't get time in a school day as educators to really have those enriching conversations. And Panley supports schools in that way, in that they offer platforms for us to get together with colleagues and and you know, really embellish who we are as teachers for the benefit of the middle level kids. And the key of that, I would just say, and the key to this is when you're looking at PAMLE, these are all middle school people. It, not everybody can teach at this level. You know, some, some middle school kids will drive a lot of people absolutely crazy. You have to have a certain personality to teach these kids. And it's important to, to be surrounded by people that have a passion for middle level. And you can just learn so much just talking to people. That's that's a real positive of this whole thing. Yeah, it is funny that you're talking about that, Bruce, because I couldn't agree with you more that being a middle school teacher is a true calling. You know, I've taught um, elementary school kids, middle school kids, high school kids, college kids, inside, outside, on top of a horse, uh, in a foreign country, uh, in the water. And of all of these experiences that I've had, I'll tell you, teaching eighth grade history is probably one of the most challenging experiences I've ever had. And it takes a certain kind of teacher and a certain kind of individual to really meet the needs of that uh, group of unique individuals. Um, and I, I would add to that that uh, 
the siloing of teachers and the feelings of siloing of teachers are very real all around the country. So to bring together a bunch of teachers, as you're talking about, who are working with a group of students that that require a unique skill set, unique point of view, and also um, to bring those individuals together outside of their silos. And as Joy, you were saying, uh, to really get them to interact with one another, to teach one another. And Bruce, like you said, to share best practices, that's really, really invaluable. I, uh, I, I couldn't think of a better use of a network, really. So I would, I would love to hear just a little bit from like a, a network perspective and either um, Joy or Bruce, you can talk about this is what are some of the big challenges that you guys are seeing these days at the middle level um, that you think that the network is trying to help teachers really, uh, really get at? I would say one of the biggest challenges that I see is, is PDE <laughs> in the sense of, uh, you know, putting, putting a lot of, of baggage on these teachers and some of the things that they have to teach. Teaching to a test is, is awful. It's, it's, you know, not all kids learn the same way, yet every test is exactly the same and everybody has to test the same. And that's a challenge for schools when you have, have kids that, that learn so differently. And, uh, and that's hard. And, and everybody struggles with that. And, and a, a good, probably a good example of a net of a good network is, you know, when you're struggling, sometimes you think you're the only one. But when you hear it from 50 other people that have the same, same issues with the same kinds of kids, it's really important to, to talk. And you can learn from one another, and and that's that's important. But I think these challenges today are, are uh, just a lot of a, a lot of uh, mandates that are put on by the state, and and these tests these tests are awful. And uh, I see a lot of people, a lot of schools that are dropping great programs so they can add more math. You know, it's the key isn't not in adding more math; it's adding different math. They have to do something differently, or you're going to get the same results. But too many people think, you know, they're going to add a double math period, a double language period, and that's going to make the biggest difference. And they're going to cut out their music programs, or their limit the phys ed that they have in the schools, or their tech ed classes. And you know, some kids live for those kinds of things, and that's what middle school is about. Kids, kids are trying to find out who they are, and they need to experience a lot of things. And, and it's it's a shame that that you know they're cutting some of the best things out of these kids. Yeah, we don't want kids to hate school, right? That's like that's the big thing is if I always I always say that a social studies teacher, that's my my background, our our job is to help uh encourage students to love to learn anything, right? And I think that that really starts at the lowest grades and then continues on really critically in, in the middle levels. Um Joy, I'd love to hear your your perspective on this. What do you see some of the challenges being? Um, I I think from being a teacher, you know, daily in the classroom and in the buildings, I think the biggest challenge is the teachers are just feeling completely maxed out. Um, and it partly comes from the things that, that Bruce was just mentioning. Um, and it partly comes from just the overall stressors of the job. And I just, I think we have to, as a network, we have to somehow come alongside teachers and encourage them to get in in the building every day and be their best for kids because we're really hurting kids because the teachers who are the front lines can't be their finest. And I mean that emotionally, not instructionally per se, because I feel like the teachers will teach anything. They, they all can handle the instruction. It's the art of it that becomes a challenge because we're, ju we're just not emotionally able to do it, you know, um, in terms of being, being healthy, a healthy mindset. It just isn't there because, because of the, the burdens, you know? Um, so I, I, I feel like our network does a really good job. And, and again, Bruce partly alluded to this, but of, of getting people out and saying, Hey, I'm having that trouble too. Or, or, you know, here's an idea. This is something that works for me. So that whole kind of, um, lifting up the spirits of the teacher is partly what, what I feel like our network is responsible for doing and more than happy to do to help people out. Just give them an outlet, you know? If I were to, if I were to look at the, this pandemic and probably one, one good thing about this is with the kids being at home, is some of these kids are now playing. They're now interacting with their parents. Some of these kids really need that because they don't play. They don't, that, that executive functioning piece is, is lacking in a lot of these mm -hmm. kids. They don't know how to play. 
and maybe this is really really going to help that. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see you know, down the road how these kids how these kids uh, actually end yeah. up. Well, yeah, and there's really been a great opportunity right now for educators that are still teaching or you've moved to online, but it's also an opportunity to do things differently, right? Like there is no state testing right now, you know, like don't teach the test. We, you can, what do the kids want to learn? I mean, we started, uh, I think I, was, I mentioned this in one of our other uh, podcasts, but just, you know, we asked the kids, you know, what are some things that you wanted to learn? They, they wanted to know things about like, how do you take care of your house? Like, how do you find things uh, that, you know, you, what do you need to know to be a homeowner or how do you take care of your car? And you know, <laughs> right. That, that kind of stuff. skills that kids need to know. Yeah, yeah that's right. right. Yeah, 16 is right around the corner, man. Everything they need. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So we, we've, we've been having fun with it. So with PAMLE, what uh, I'm curious, like, is there anything in the works right now? Like, uh, I know, obviously, with the pandemic, there's a lot of things that probably got put on the back burner. I'm sure you were having some schools to watch visits and getting ready for some celebrations. But, um, it, you know, what are some of the goals or what are some things that PAMLE is currently working on? So I think we're trying to recognize and also support um, the, the interest in webinars for, t for staff. And I don't know that that's, that is obviously somewhat driven by the pandemic, but I feel like that's something that's, that's come alive more, even more so recently, just on its own because of that, of, because of the interest of people in liking that, that setup, you know, they like that avenue of learning, you know? Um, so I know we talked about that today. That's something I think we're working towards and, um, you know, again, just, just working towards listening to our members. I think we're, we're trying really hard to stay connected. Bruce does a great job of communicating uh, via email and keeping up with our, um, our webpage and listening to what the members want. So we don't just put a conference together just to say, hey, this is a middle-level conference, same as every year. We, we really try to base the threads on what's going on in the schools. And that's why the schools to watch feeds so nicely into our into our board, um, and we can we can all share out those different ideas. But we we try to weave it all together so that it's meaningful, and I feel like we're always working on that, just responding to the needs of the middle level educators in the schools. I would say when she's talking about the, the webinars with AMLE, you know we've partnered with them on these webinars, so we're now able to provide Act 48 credit for any Pennsylvania teachers that attend any of these webinars, which has been huge. None of the other states have done that. That's really important because AML used to offer webinars every Tuesday, and I've attended a bunch of them uh, from four to five. Now they're offering sometimes two or three a week, and uh, they've been a, a wide variety of topics. You know, there's a lot right now in this social emotional learning with kids and, and what it's going to be like when they get back here in the fall, if they get back in the fall, and the struggles that they're going to have. So there's a lot right now with, with that social emotional learning, and I think we're going to see more of that as it, within the next couple of months. And we'll try to stay on top of that. We're struggling with the same benefits with schools to watch. You know, we just did a huge survey to our principals across the country, and uh, it's interesting you know, what they're coming back with. And, and a lot of it is, is the social emotional learning component. We're going to try to put things together with that as well. It's great. <clears throat> You've mentioned um, how you work and relationships are, are just so important, and I can, uh, I can definitely relate to that. Um, just wanted to ask a sort of specific question. Um, can you recall any specific uh, experiences you had, like working with different schools or different principals? I know I might be putting you on the spot a bit. That's why I'm trying to elongate the question and give you a couple moments to <laughs> think about it. Um, not answer. <laughs> um, so can you recall any times where, where you've interacted with people in your network and through those relationships where you've seen um, just some really cool stuff happen? And I think the reason I'm asking that is because I think by you sharing that and giving us a glimpse, it, it will show us, one, the, the value of this network and the value of networks in general, and then, two, it will inspire us a bit, you know, get us to think side of, of what we're thinking. So um, if you have anything, uh, I, think I can answer a couple of questions with that. You know, one of the, the uh, biggest things, when I was a principal, I was fortunate enough that our superintendent allowed us to send people out. I would send people out to conferences all the time. Even when the uh, National Middle School Conference was in Philadelphia and was in Baltimore, my whole staff went to both of those conferences. 
worked a year ahead of time. We got a, I got a staff development day built into the calendar so we could send them there. And we offered transportation if they wanted it. But the really cool thing when you're watching about it, when you see when a, when a teacher presents and they presented at, at a conference and just watch just the growth of that teacher and, and how they feel after they uh, presented and they come back to school and they talk about it, especially when they get a lot of real positive feedback. That's a real plus, and that's that's a huge, in that sense. Uh, another piece is with schools to watch. I'm just amazed at some of the schools when we go into a school, and we go back to a school for a redesignation. The growth that that school has made, and we have a school that has been redesignated four times, and uh, it's a really good school, and but they are making such amazing strides. And the principal told me he said, you know. We like this process and, and what, what we like about this process is every three years we have to reflect on our best practice. We need to look at what we're doing and, and look at what's going on today and, and look what we need to change. And and there's a real value in that. That's a real positive. I I, I get it's it's so great when you go to these schools and you see what they how they've progressed. I'll take Julie School and, and Dean School in particular. It's a great little school and you know, it's to watch is for any public school, public charter school, anything. And, and they've, they've done some really cool stuff that a lot of people could learn from. But people think, you know, it's a charter school. We can't do it. And they're small. Absolutely, you can do it. You can do it at a different phase or a different level. And, and it's a really cool things to see when you get back into those schools. And uh, that's what I really like about this process. We had, uh, so Julie and I actually pre presented at um, one of the conferences. And it was on our iSearch uh, projects that we do, where our students work on independent research projects throughout the year. And we ended up having several people reach out, contact us, and they, they came and visited our school. They wanted to see the program and how it runs. And um, so it was great. We, we've made some really fun friends <laughs> you know, through, through these conferences and just kind of sharing what we're doing. Yeah, I, I love what you're talking about here. It sounds like the Schools to Watch program is really designed to kind of pump out uh, coverage, which is seriously lacking, and we talked about that in, uh, in the last couple episodes, is who gets to know about these little schools like Julie and Janine's school that are doing amazing things? And like, how do they get to know about these little places, right? You know, if I didn't know where Soderton, Pennsylvania is, which I still am a little shaky that I know where it is, I'm not quite, not quite sure. Um, if I didn't know where that was, or I wasn't looking for like interesting schools in Soderton, Pennsylvania, I would otherwise never, ever know. And I feel like that's one of the values that you're pointing to uh, here, Bruce, is that using something like the conference or the schools to watch as a tool to say, check out what Soderton is doing or check out what, and I'm sure you, you and Joy could both just go down the list and say like, boom, this school, boom, this school, boom, this school are just doing cool things. And, I, and I've said for a while that um, our vision of possibility of what school is, is not quite strong enough. We need to figure out a method for sharing more visions of possibility to, to steal a, a phrase from um, the famous Chris Unger, uh, to, to provide more visions of possibility for more schools so they can have aspirational goals and say, oh, wow, I didn't know we could be teaching research in this way. And and to whoever said it earlier, I didn't know that maybe we should think about doing math instruction a little bit differently. Well, I agree with you that we have some very rural schools in PA. I drove to a school once. I thought I was going to drive off the side of the earth. You know, we're, it's, we travel there. You know, it's in the middle of absolutely nowhere. It's dark. We saw a moon shining over the road and I had no idea where we were going. Uh, there's, there's some really cool schools around this state of PA. But unfortunately, you know, the, the, what you hear about the schools is when something goes wrong, the, the news media is all over it. You don't hear about the great stuff that goes on in the schools. There are so many good things going on in these schools, but we always hear about how bad schools are. Some phenomenal schools in Pennsylvania. There really are. The, you need to get the word out. And that's, that's the tough part. Yeah, absolutely. And Joy, maybe you want to touch uh, on just some of the work that you're doing here in Southeast Pennsylvania in particular to, uh, you know, highlight some of the things that schools are doing around near us. Um, 
Yeah, and I, and I think we do that through our regional conference. Un unfortunately, with a few different circumstances the last couple years, we've only had one regional conference um, that they drew a lot of a lot of attendees. And we try to bring in, you know, we try to bring in people that have different topic interest that we think, again, are going to be feeding into threads that are of interest to the to the uh, teachers that are attending the conference. So that's mainly the one way that we do it. But I, I honestly think our board meeting is is a critical piece because it becomes almost like a hangout, for lack of a better word. And I think I often present it as that and it makes it relaxed and it helps all of us to share different ideas. And then we act as tentacles and we get out into our schools and we talk about the things that are going on in other schools. And in its simplest form, maybe that's the best way that we're able to communicate out is to just network with each other and then use those conversations to start other conversations within the schools. Um, and again, the, the, the conferences when they're a go and when they're successful are really great. Um, and then and then getting people to present. And, you know, we often have um, people on our board that will say, well, I can't present, but I know someone at my school that's really good with advisory and they would present. So doing those types of things, um, being very open is important, I think, in getting messages out so that you can start talking about what's happening in the schools. Um, I'm curious, who are there other connections that PA Emily has? So PA Emily obviously is is for the state of Pennsylvania, but then that's part of a larger um, for AMLE, right? Um, I'm just wondering, like, are there other can, other networks or other connections that PLMA PA Emily <laughs> uh, has as well, or like, how are they also like? Are there other affiliations or anything? AMLE is the affiliate for the National Association and. and to the states has an affiliate and we're we have a really strong affiliate in pennsylvania and are very well respected by mle we've actually uh, pioneered a number of a number of programs for them and uh, great we've been involved with learning first in the past horse man we have a great a, a great uh, partnership with horse man uh, which is a, a insurance and it, it was a company that was founded by teachers works a lot with teachers in schools all around the country and uh, we have a really good partnership with them uh, we've been we've worked with we partnered at a conference for a number of years with the principals association of pennsylvania did a joint conference in the summer uh, we did it for three years and uh, we brought the middle level component to the administrative conference and which was always good so you know those are some of the partnerships that we've had yeah, and I'm sure it probably changes throughout the, you know, over the years, like you mentioned, I think even uh, what Pete, Paul Sav was, was one of them the one, uh, for a few years there. Um, yeah, so, yeah. So how do, how, if somebody wants to join PA Emily, um, what do they do? <laughs> how do they get involved? If they go to the website, it's paemle.org. Uh, there's a membership piece there. They can join as an individual member. They could join as a, when the school joins, it's an institutional member, and that includes every teacher that's in that building then. They join as an institution. We always recommend dual memberships. We've created a dual membership with the national organization. And uh, so if, a, if somebody joins as an individual dual member for AMLEP, AMLE, they have all the benefits of both organizations. And we have an institutional membership, which is a, a dual institutional membership as well. And uh, that's, but you join right on the website. And it's not really expensive as a, uh, I think the dual institutional membership or the, the dual individual member for AMLEPA only is, I think it's $89 or $81, something like that. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, that's super reasonable. It's not real expensive. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's, you know, as, as a principal, we look at when you join the principal's association, it's like seven or $800. <laughs> if you're going to join, if you're going to join a dual membership with AMLPA, AMLE, I think it's like 315 mm -hmm. the two organizations. It's not it's not that bad. It's not expensive, and we give them a lot of stuff. We have a, a members only side of our website. Of, you know, like Janine, you have a best practice, something that you really like. We have a link on our website. You go in, you can fill out the best practice. It goes into a uh, a database, and then people can go into the database and look at things. If them catches their eye. There's contact information there. They can contact the uh, the school and talk to them about the best practice. So. 
That's great. And Joy, if, if a person here in Southeast Pennsylvania, or just even thinking outside of Southeast Pennsylvania, wants to get involved in their like local affiliate chapter, what are some of the ways that you are offering teachers opportunities to get involved? Um, well, I think to get involved in terms of attending our board meeting, which I think is the best way to get started with meeting people on the board, uh, it's the easiest way is, is like Bruce had mentioned to go to the website and then there is a section for regions and you can just pick the region that you're in and it lists all of the board members. And I, be, I believe the emails are there at least for myself and the secretary. Um, and so that's one way to do it. And um, obviously it, it is tough. I mean, I have to say, if you don't, if you're, if your school isn't a member of PAMLE, it's hard to know that there are different um, regional regional boards to know all about it. But I think that um, we're work, we're actually working currently on a newsletter that's going to start be, be um, being published. And that is going to help a little bit more with, with splashing out, for lack of a better word, some of the highlights of what we're doing and trying to steer people and navigate them towards our webpage where the greater detail is. So we are working on all of that. Um, but a lot of it is word of mouth and a lot of it is just people talking to other people. And like I said, when we get together at these larger conferences like the state conference, there's a lot of um, chatter about what's going on in the different regions. Uh, we make sure that, that we acknowledge what region we're from. So if you are from the southeast region, then you can find someone else who's in that region and connect with them. Um, but yeah, we welcome everyone to our board meetings and, and we have definitely grown in the, the five years that I've been there and, and in a very, a very diverse way. I'm proud of the fact that we have several counties represented on the board and, and uh, it's, it's fun. But, but again, we make it so that it's a place to converse and a place where, where people can get together and just kind of get to know each other and, and have a, a safe kind of fun environment to share about the, the celebrations and frustrations of the middle level. <laughs> Certainly. Yeah. All right. Well, Matt, so we're getting into our last segment here about how uh, this conversation has helped us rethink education. Um, what do you, what are you thinking over there? What's going through your, uh, we, what's going through your brain as Bruce and Joy are talking? Yeah, this, this has been great. And uh, Bruce, Joy, thank you for, for taking the time to, to share your insights. And, one of the things that there's a lot of stuff going on in my head right now, but but one of the things <laughs> is is the importance of of relationships, and I think sometimes within education we we see past that we see past that sometimes with our students, um, and we see past that as educators. And I, hearing you talk and hearing you talk about the significance of relationships and how important that is to to build relationships with other people and to share and to share best practices and to support and to to sort of fuel this growth, but one of the foundational things is relationships. And to me, that's that's so sort of beautifully simple. And um, it's something that, to be honest, I'm very relational, but I've sort of neglected that within uh, within different spheres of education. So so this has been this has been really helpful, and it's really needed. Like you've commented too, for middle school teachers, you know, to fight that burnout and to, and to be encouraged and to not get stale. So I could keep going on and on and on. The importance of relationships within education to fuel these powerful networks is, is something that's, that's really um, going on in my mind right now. I love it, Matt. And I would add that um, teaching is a funny job, right? You're in a classroom with students pretty much all day long. And there's a lot of relationship building that goes on between student and teacher pretty much all the time. And I often think about um, how the neglected part of school can sometimes be the, re the relationships that are built between teacher and teacher. And then furthermore, the relationships that are built between you know teacher at school A with teacher at school B, who might be doing really similar work and encountering some of the same challenges. Um, I think that that's what this conversation is making me remember and think about. Mm -hmm. We talk a lot about relationship building with students. We talk a lot about relationship building with teachers and maybe um, parents, but how often are we talking about building relationships teacher to teacher from building to building? 
And that's what I think PAMLE, in my view, in the light of this conversation, is really pushing me to think about. And I know, Bruce, I, I cut you off there for a second. I would love to hear okay. what, you, what you're thinking, too. Well, I know you had said something earlier about you know, kids need to like to come to school. Mm-hmm. It's critical. And that relationships helps that. Helps that. Once, once you actually get to know these kids outside of a school setting, you know, they'll trust you and they'll do anything for you. And it's those kinds of relationships that you need to build. And also another thing is, and we're finding about today, even with the, with all this this homeschooling that's going on, teachers need teachers. Uh, they need to they need the support of each other, and that's the value of networking. And and sometimes you know you just don't close your door and and teach. You, know, you need to you need to work with your colleagues, and that's a value with with middle school in the sense of teaming. I mean, done properly, teachers are interacting all the time, working with kids and and working together, and that's so important. And, don't test that. That's not something that you that is on a state test. Yeah, that's probably one of the most important things in schooling is is building those relationships in order to be successful. Absolutely, Janine. What do you what are you rethinking over there? Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of on the same line there with you, Mike. Um, I was thinking not only like teacher to teacher, but just like the school to, the school to a school, and thinking outside of like the district. I think within the boundaries of the district, sometimes um, there's like you know, cross connections that end up happening between teachers and within the buildings. But there seems to be sometimes like that mentality that like, oh, well, I'm in this one district, so we can't ever socialize with those other people in the other district, you know, kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm, And I I think that we we have to get away from that. That one, from being a member myself of PA Emily, um, I've had huge benefits with being able to connect with other schools that are outside of our area um, and even ones that are down the street. So just bringing everybody together that these schools are sharing with other schools, um, it makes us all better. It goes back to that point that we made before that like we can do more together. We can do better things together than we ever could just alone, whether we're a teacher in the classroom or we're just a single school in the the district, you know. Absolutely. Joy, what a, what is this conversation making you think about? <laughs> um, I, I think I would just have to say a, a great word that I'm thinking of is grateful. You know, I, I would never mm. have met Bruce and gotten to know Bruce as a person um, and all of the affiliations that he has and the, the people that I've met through him without getting involved in these boards. And, and again, I continue to along with what what you all are saying and and janine was emphasizing about the need to 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 see um what other schools are doing a lot of it is just you can't refresh yourself in any role in your life unless you're kind of aligning yourself with someone else who's supporting you so if that's your family maybe it's your spouse but a lot of times in a school building it's it's the teachers and sometimes (laughs) The, the teachers that are alongside of you in the hallway just maybe are not, you know, and you need to connect with somebody else who you can kind of have that conversation with to get some support. And it just, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And I tell everybody that that's very important to me from, from a professional standpoint to be able to have, I call it a family. I've often told Bruce, like that you guys are my second family and, and that might be a strong word to use, but, um, it is how I feel, and it and it is something that supports what I do every day. And I, I can go into school every day and think about the fact that I have somebody to, to call if I have a question. I can call, you know, John Walsh over at Unionville if I'm stuck on something with my Google Drive. I do have people in my district, but you know what? Um, I'm comfortable with John, and that's who I can go to because I have a different relationship with him through the board. Um, so that piece is is really important like I could, if I could just put kids aside for a second in my role um, you know like we talk about though the health of a teacher and I feel like Panley does a great job of looking at the health of the of the teacher and and more so in the fall and even the last few years it's just becoming critical yeah and I, w- I would argue especially right now you know we our third episode covered um, teacher self-care in the time of COVID-19 and um, we invited a friend of ours, uh, Fran Warren, on, and she's the founder of The Educator's Room. If you guys get a chance to go check it out, um, just theeducatorsroom.com. 
they're a teacher voice amplifier through um, written media and video and podcasting as well. And uh, shameless plug for myself, I've written for them for the past like seven or eight years. And they, uh, they've been really pushing their teacher self-care conference, which I brought to my school this year as part of what they're trying to do to offer teachers as a way to um, you know, encourage them to remind themselves that you're only as good a teacher as you are when you take care of yourself. And you're only a really, really amazing teacher when you're 100%. And that means that taking a day off every once in a while to be with your kids or to be away from the computer is just as important as being with your classroom kids and in the classroom. So we're in we're in our last uh, segment here, which is our plug. Everybody, I think, I hope, has a plug. Um, who wants to start? I would plug. I would say go to the PAMLE website. It's PAMLE.org. Go and check out the Schools to Watch page on that website. There's a lot of resources on there that anybody can access. You don't have to be a member. You can access the information. The rubric is still up on that. The, the criteria of Schools to Watch is up on that. It's a, it's a great resource. And each of the schools that are schools to watch have a link to their schools. And if there's something that you like that they're doing, contact that school and ask them about a program that they do or something like that. And I think it's a great, great piece. And it's a, it's, it's a cost you a thing to do that. That would be my plug is to check out that webpage and to, and to go to that site. Awesome. Janine, what you got? I'm going with a book again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, all right, so the book is called What School Could Be, and it's by Ted Dintersmith, and uh, a really cool book, just kind of, he had set out to, to go across the United States and visit all 50 states and try to really convince people that we need to reimagine education, um, and what he found is that there are innovative teachers that are out there all across the country, and they're doing extraordinary things, and um, you know, just really bringing innovation into the classroom where you probably would least expect it. So uh, it's really, really good book to check out. So again, it's called um, What What School Could Be. And Janine, I heard he's uh, starting a network of networks called Go Boundless, which you may have touched on last week. That's awesome. Uh, Joy, what do you want to plug tonight? Um, so I, I'm actually going to plug, I'm going to be the opposite of humble and plug my own book. Yeah, <laughs> you totally should. You know, you do it. <laughs> Yeah, I actually had a podcast today about it um, with a guy. Uh, the podcast oh, is called This Amazing Life. So I think it's coming out next week. Um, cool. Yeah, so um, I'm just, I'm very, it was a project I took on, like I said, is a, when I was diversifying my life a little bit. And Dave Brown, who is an amazing, well, former member of our board, simply because he moved to Vermont. But he's doing amazing things with family. So I can give a plug to family. Um Cool. Yeah, um, in Vermont, they um, so he actually wrote what every middle school teacher should know. I believe it's he's working on the fourth edition of that with his co-author. Um, anyway, he encouraged me to to write, so I, I wrote this book, and um, I love it because it is exactly a lot of the things that that we've been talking about the care of the teacher because the book really is about the teacher as a person. And the first seven chapters are about the self, and the second seven are about relationships, and the third seven are about the extension of the hand and the generosity of service. And the importance of, of blending those three components together to be successful in a classroom. But beyond that, uh, we went out and sought out greater Philadelphia leaders and contributors of companies. And we have representatives from, so the CEO of Wawa, Kind Bars president, um, Chickies and Pete's CEO. Uh, we have a couple, Ron Jaworski, like we mentioned. Kevin Riley is a formal Eagles player from the 70s. Um, oh my gosh, Bryn Mawr Hospital. There's just all kinds of, of um, Toll Brothers, all kinds of companies represented. And we asked them to blend their thoughts into the message so that we could see that the education and the corporate world are really not that far apart. We often see them in separate bubbles, but there's a way to blend them together. So they matched our messages and, it, and it's really cool. And it was just a matter of going in and saying, this is important for a teacher. How does it matter to you? How would you support that? Mm -hmm. And um, they aligned with us in each of the messages. And, and uh, 
it turned out to be a really cool, fun project. And they loved it, of course, because Ron Jaworski was in it, you know, so <laughs> take it from there, right? But, uh, but it was fun. Spe yes. Speaking of Ron Jaworski, Matt, what do you want to plug? Um, I will plug online voice recorder it's a it's a really cool simple tool you can uh you can utilize it on your web so you don't have to download anything or you could download the extension and what's really nice about it is it works really nice with uh with google slides so it allows the student to be the creator and maybe they could create their own podcast and put it on google slides and then they could share as a project in the classroom yeah i just popped it open and it's like the simplest app that I've ever seen. Just a big <laughs> button in the middle of the screen that says record. And I'm like, sweet, that's awesome. Um, so as, as we head on out, I'm gonna plug Education Reimagined. Uh, they're a, uh, I, would, I would say they're sort of like a policy think tank group, but they're also um, involved in mobilizing students and mobilizing educators to mobilize students uh, to place learners at the center of education. Their whole thing is learner-centered schools, learner-centered teaching, and learner-centered curricula all across the country. They're, they've been working on that um, with that vision in mind for a number of years now. And what I really love about what they're doing now is they're partnering with folks like Ted Dindersmith from Go Boundless and 100 to push forward this idea that school cannot be the same when we return after COVID-19 ends. It cannot because it should not be the same. Needs to be more learner-centered. We need to start thinking about how we can help young people kind of self-determine their own futures, how to drive their own learning, and how to do all the things that you know, many of the schools, many of the schools on the schools to watch list are already doing, but maybe not enough schools are doing in the world. Um, so check them out. You can go to education-reimagined.org. They're a terrific group. And I want to thank Bruce and Joy one more time for joining us this evening. It's been a pleasure having you on. We really appreciate it. And to everybody listening to this podcast, I hope you will continue to listen. We've got some really great um, folks on the docket for our future episodes. But in the meantime, thanks for tuning into this one. Catch you later. Mm -hmm.